Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have a bit of a different show. We have a rapid fire Q&A here. So these are questions that I have been provided by you as the listeners or um, along the way, along the journey um, in our day-to-day practice that I want to provide answers to you for in a quick podcast session. So today I'll run through a few and we will be in integrating this into our podcast from time to time. Now, if you have a question that you'd like me to answer, then please send it to us at podcasts at aspectlegal.com.au. And we'll put that link in the show notes. Now, in that email, send us anything that you want to hear us talk about in the Deal Room podcast or anything that you would like me to answer in a rapid fire session on. Now, here we go with today's, and this is only going to be five minutes long, so this is a very quick session for you. Well, let's see if we get it into five minutes. Okay, first question uh, came out of a discussion generally about um, share sale versus business sale. Um, Obviously, they're two different things. Uh, I have a book that is just about to come out, and I, in that book, talk a lot about the differences in uh, share sale and business sale. The book is called Buy, Grow, Exit. Um, We'll be talking a bit about it on the podcast moving forward. Um, But just for now, in very simple terms, um, when you have a share sale, you're selling the ownership section of a business, but none of the assets under the business itself or under the company move. If you're in a business sale, ultimately what's happening from a legal perspective is each of the assets are transferring out from the seller to the buyer. So they're effectively moving. Um, So we had a few questions about this. So uh, the first question was, do employee entitlements continue um, or are these negotiated in termination or employment pursuant to a business sale agreement. So um, we actually should have a whole session, I think, um, in a podcast on employee entitlements and dealing with employee um, employment law obligations for the transmission of business at the sale of business because it's a super interesting topic, lots of twists and turns, lots of things to be aware of. Ultimately, if there is a transmission of business, And the buyer, so let's say there's a business sale environment and the buyer ends up taking on the employees who were um, employed by the seller, then that is considered a transmission of business in relation to those employees. So those employee entitlements have to be dealt with. They can either be paid out um, or they can be adjusted, so paid out to the employee adjusted to the buyer, um, i.e. the amount of those employee entitlements come off the sale price. Now, there can often be a bit of negotiation around this. Sometimes there is a deduction that's made from the employee entitlements um, in adjustments if um, that is going to be adjusted in the completion payment 
to take um, into account um, tax, um, also to take into account contingency. So, for example, if there is going to be a payment in relation to personal leave entitlements, there may be a reduction of that um, amount that will be adjusted for on the basis that that is a contingent liability, i.e. the staff in the new entity may or may not um, use that accrued personal leave. Now, there is so many consideration for employee entitlements um, that we will have a whole episode devoted to it. In a share sale, just the one thing to bear in mind is you are not transferring the employees. The employees stay um, employed by the same organisation because we're not changing anything in the business itself. It's only the ownership layer that changes. So, in those sorts of situations, we have an adjustment from the purchase price. But once again, the adjustment component can sometimes be negotiated for certain reasons. Um, for example, perhaps in relation to personal um, uh, personal leave accruals. All right. So, that's questions about employee entitlements. As I said, we'll do a whole new episode about it. Okay. Next, we're looking at the concept of um, warranties and liability in a sale contract for a seller. Um, One of the questions that I've had over time is how long do these liabilities last for a seller? The answer is it depends. It depends what's negotiated in the sale agreement. So you could have liabilities that might last for up to seven years, and sometimes we'll have liabilities that only last for a very short period of time. Now, there's a whole heap of things that we consider in working out how we are going to protect the seller if we're acting on sell side in relation to uh, the warranties, the length of time that they exist for, and the maximum cap or the maximum liability that a seller might have under these warranties. On the flip side, when we're acting buy side, we will be thinking about what we can do to use the warranties in order to protect our buyer to ensure that they're not exposed to any risks that have happened in the business or the company prior to their time of taking it over. So this is the thing with warranties and indemnities in a business sale agreement or in a share sale agreement. This is where we're helping to um, get a fair balance of risk in relation to um, losses that might occur in a business post-completion that relate to a period of time before completion. So there's lots of things to think about there. One thing to bear in mind is transaction liability insurance. Once again, if this is of interest to you, we will definitely devote a podcast or two to this because it's such fabulous insurance for sellers out there, but potentially also for buyers to understand about because they might wish to require sellers take out insurance in order to provide security in the deal. It's a bit new here in the SME space in Australia. And the reason I say that is prior um, to this newer insurance coming out very recently in Australia, the policies used to be hundreds of thousands of dollars generally. We're now in a regime where the policies are really cheap. Generally, um, you know, they can start from around about $10,000 for a policy um, that can last for the whole period of time that the warranties last. So perhaps up to seven years for that one policy. So great insurance. 
insurance to potentially have. Um, if you're interested, you'll find some details in the show notes about that. Now, we're running out of time in our short rapid fire uh, podcast episode today. Um, so we have time for two more questions um, and then uh, we'll end this episode. But if you have any more questions, make sure you send it to us um, at the Deal Room Podcast through podcasts at aspectlegal.com.au and we'll make sure we answer those in future episodes. Now, a question here has been, is there a possibility that you can have due diligence be run after a contract has exchanged. So that's after both parties has signed. This concept of the timing of due diligence is a really interesting thing and it can change from deal to deal. On smaller deals, we generally have due diligence being undertaken um, somewhere between the signing of the commercial terms, so the parties agreeing on a price and the terms of the payment of that price, and um, between the contract being um, created or drafted. That is often because in smaller deals, the parties are trying to save money. They want to make sure that the buyer will actually want to go through with the purchase of the business before they go into contract phase. In many um, sort of mid-sized deals, larger deals, and in fact, even in many smaller deals as well, we will, however, run due diligence at the same time as we negotiate the sale contract. The reason for that is that makes it much faster because due diligence can take a bit of time. Sometimes contracts can take a little bit of time as well. So in that situation, we might run the two together. But in other situations, the buyer might prefer to have protection against their spend in due diligence during the due diligence period um, and to feel assured that the seller is not going to go and sell to another buyer after they've expended all of their time money and effort in due diligence. What happens in that case is that buyers might require that the buyer and seller enter into a sale contract for the sale of the business or the shares that is conditional on them completing that due diligence. And this is an interesting thing. There's a bit of a risk for the seller here that the buyer has the seller on the hook, but then finishes their due diligence and decides not to go ahead of it with the purchase of the business. On the flip side, businesses are unlikely to enter into spending time, money, and energy on due diligence if they're not serious in going ahead with the acquisition of the business. So there's lots to think about in terms of timing when due diligence sits within the acquisition process. Um, there's no hard and fast rules. Uh, we have transactions all the time who have timing organised in all different ways. But the end answer is it's important to understand the decisions that you're making in allowing the timing of due diligence to happen at a particular point. There's options available for you, but you have to understand the risk that you might be taking on in the flip side. That's where strong, helpful, experienced legal advice, of course, comes into play. Well, that's it for our rapid fire session for Q&A today here on the Deal Room podcast. I hope you found that useful. We've got a few more Q&A sessions coming up. Please let us know if you enjoy these Q&A sessions. We're always interested to find out what it is that you, our listeners, want to hear more from. And if you have any questions for us to add to our rapid fire Q&A, please send it to us at podcasts 
at aspectlegal.com.au. Well, that's it for me today. My name's Joanna Oki. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 